Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the backseat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Sarekia, and this is the Field Guide to Awesome. Welcome back to the Field Guide to Awesome, folks. In my last episode, I spoke with Leslie Rochelle. Leslie is a soul-led leadership coach who supports new and emerging leaders to bridge the inner and outer connection with self, cultivating the skills and confidence that support their foundational leadership platform so they can powerfully claim their leader within. She's a wife, mama, coach, mentor, international best-selling author, and the founder of Leslie Rochelle Coaching and Consulting. Companies love to promote new executive leaders up from their ranks. It reduces cost, time to productivity, and increases employee retention and team morale. However, research has shown that 40% of new executives fail within 18 months, whether it's the cultural fit, inability to build teamwork, or they're unsure of their role as a new leader. So that's why I spoke with Leslie Rochelle about her leadership journey, as well as widely held misconceptions and small shifts that can transform your leadership capacity. Both your sense of fulfillment and impact will skyrocket when you make these shifts. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. But don't go yet, folks. We're continuing our conversation with Connie Scavella. Connie is a speaker, author, and business and strategic advisor for CEOs and entrepreneurs seeking a quantum leap in their lives and business simultaneously. An entrepreneur for 17 years with degrees in theology and physics, she has worked with new startups, Fortune 500s, and Inc. 500 companies in healthcare, real estate, education, sports, finance, oil and gas, retail, ministry, hospitality, entertainment. And Connie and I will be talking about becoming the difference maker, reverse engineering her success and niching profitably. It can be so easy to take success for granted. That is until your process stops working. That's why we're talking today with Connie Scavella about how she got her aha from experiencing failure after a string of successes. Big setbacks, including financial decisions gone wrong, can break entrepreneurs, but it doesn't have to be that way. Highly successful visionary entrepreneurs tend to exhibit not only more resiliency than their less successful counterparts, but also life, outlook, and professional habits that continually expand their capacity for resilience. That's why Connie and I are continuing our conversation. This time, we're talking about a 100K loss, dealing with betrayal, and her turning point that took her from being burned by the industry to resiliently committing to figuring it out. Join me in welcoming 
Connie Scavella. So often we we love talking about the successes mm-hmm. because they're fun and we really? love them. Uh-huh. But we also need to take a look at the failures of when they happened um, and how they happened and what was going on doing that, the lessons learned, because I feel like when we do that as well, there are people who are in it right now. Mm-hmm. They're in those, those points of failure right now. And when they hear and see how someone else overcame it and what became possible for them after it's like a ray of hope mm-hmm. and the stories become real and the possibilities become more real. And so are you comfortable talking about some of the failures that you experienced in the past that you've overcome? Absolutely. And what those were, were like for you? Yeah, I'll give you two. Okay. And these were pivotal ones. They were huge for me. Mm. And I think a lot of people could probably relate to both of them. One is financial. One is emotional. All right. If we have enough time Mm. to do both. We have time. Okay. All right. And let me start with the financial one. And so for me, I was, here's something a lot of people don't know is that over my career, like a lot of people, I am psychologically unemployable. I am a great employee, right? All the way to the C-suite. I can do it all. I don't like it. Yes. There were so many times driving to my job, even though I made multiple six figures in jobs that I'd sometimes I'd literally stop, pull over, throw up, cry, wipe my mouth and go straight on. Right. Because I hated it so much. And, but I just kept going. And I thought, well, that's all I can do. Then I finally remembered who I was again. I thought I'm going to go do my thing. I gave myself a, an FU date, the date that I'm going to go to the company and say, oh, bye. Right. And I had planned out, I had the day I had, how I was going to do it. I was going to come in late at night and I had a prominent office and I was going to come in late at night, clean everything out. And then they'd all walk in and, oh, where is she? She's gone. <laughs> like magic, like a little fairy. I know. And so I was so excited. I knew the date. And then I decided do it early, right? The date was July 4th. That was my independence day. And I thought, no, I can't take it anymore. And so I left in April. I thought I'm doing it, going back out on my own. I had, I had consulted with corporates, but what I really wanted to do is not have those chains and those boxes I had to fit in as a corporate consultant. I wanted to work with entrepreneurs. I love that. Like somebody has a dream. It's like, get this out of me, help me make this grow. That's my passion. And I come from four generations of entrepreneurs. That's my thing. It just lights me up. So I'm like, I'm doing, I'm going, I left a extremely high paying position, but I knew I was smart. I can do it. I've had my own companies, no big deal. I hadn't done this. And this was in not too long ago, early 2019, yeah, early 2019. So not long at all. No, no. And I had extreme success consulting, right? But not in this venue with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. 
beautifully. And so I thought, this is it. This is easy. I'm going to go out and do this. But I know I've always succeeded well. Look, why do I succeed? Always had good mentors. So you know how it is. We see all of these options. It wasn't so bad at this time to hit different masterminds and things like that. And I had attended a lot of them trying to get out and do it on my own. But I never did. And I was at that job for four years. I said, mm. I'm, I'm building. That's a long life. time. That feels like a long time. It felt like 20, yeah. <laughs> but here's the lie. This is what made me like that self-hatred, right? That just like, I'm lying to myself. And I kept saying, well, when I make on my business, what I make in my job, I'll walk away. But that was a false safety. Yes. Right. And yes. so I kept that up because I was super successful at my work. And then the more successful, I put more time into it and less into the other. And it became this, this cycle. Okay. It really yeah. was a cycle of doom and gloom. And so I finally do leave and I start out and I go to this event and I had kind of planned out who my mentors were going to be. It just so happened that three of the candidates were all coming into this one big event and wow. it was a big event downtown. And there were 12 of the big gurus, right? All of the names everybody knows. And I thought, this is amazing. And so I go to this event and I come in as a guest for one, for one of the people. So it was nice. I didn't even have to pay. And they all come up and they give their spiel. And there's 10 of them. Amazing. I'm like, wow. And of course, you know, the pitch is coming. Yeah. And yeah. At the end, you know, they're all specialists in different areas. Like right? it could be video and email and, and uh, coaching and hiring and training, all of these things, internet. And you're like, gosh, which one do I pick? You know, well, they say, here's our offer. We're all coming together and we're all going to be your coach in one group. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. They all know what they're teaching me. This is everything unified. This is exactly what I want. And then they tell us the price and it's a hundred thousand dollars. Holy I'm moly. Like, yeah. Go. I'm like, well, you know, I guess you pay $10,000 anyway, a person over time. And so I, you know, I'm doing this and I check with my family. What do you think? They're like, absolutely not. Don't do this. I'm like, you, you know, come on, it's my turn. I'm fighting for this. Right. And so they offer financing and okay, I have great credit. I do the financing thing, but this so happens to be at the same time that my mother is actually dying. And oh. So I'm going back and forth, cross country, uptime with her, trying to do this thing. And I fly over there and then I'm supposed to have my orientation call. I sign up and I have a 15 minute call and like, oh, we need to reschedule it for next week, which is fine. And that was the end. <gasps> Never heard from anything, anyone. I was devastated. That was a hundred thousand dollars. I was on a loan for, and I had no business. I'm not working. Nobody. They all scattered like termites. As I tried to find this, all of these famous people, if I, it, everyone's jaw would drop if I named them all and they're still out there and nobody would help me. It was oh my the, God. Main, the main person who did this whole charade and there was four or five of us 
that fell into this. And it was awful. And I worked and worked and tried and I begged, I, I risked exposing that. I didn't care at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was going to put all their names out there. Bottom line, I was so hurt. I yes. Hurt. And have you ever been? It's like such betrayal it of trust. It's betrayal. My mentor, Dr. David Hawkins would say that's the equivalent of a spiritual rape. Yes. Where everything you put your faith into is stripped away. And you don't know who to trust. If that was the best of the best all together and they do that, what's going to happen next? And it made me so angry because I locked up my heart. I didn't want to trust. And then I didn't even want to be in this business. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And it took a long time. One person gave me a portion of his money back. They didn't all get paid either. They all got paid some, but not all of it. And that was it. And I was humiliated. Mm. I was embarrassed. I had to go back to my family and say, I know, you know, you were right. I'm an idiot. And, but I didn't stop. I'm like, but that was what I wanted. Right. Yeah. I wanted that. And I never got the money. And you trusted yourself enough in the moment. Yep. To go all in, to go all in. I knew you were betrayed. Yeah. And I knew I could make a million dollars in a year. That was the deal, right? Of course I can. If I have all that, I can do that. So this was everything I wanted. And then it was all taken away. And I was like, huh. So it took a a few months um, to recover from that, but it became the silver lining. How so? I understood the betrayal. I understood a really dark side of this industry that I had no Mm -hmm. understanding of how slimy and sleazy and how many liars and cheats there are out there. And I got behind the scenes and I saw all these businesses that said they were so amazing. They were shell games. And I was like, wow, I would never, ever want somebody to feel what I felt. That actually became the silver lining in that that's when I decided to put my business together. I said, what do I want to do? I said, I want to do exactly what I wanted there, right? Yeah. I want to give everybody everything they need to have a business, not these little pieces and parts, you know, and hacks and tricks, a whole business, how to make a whole business. And so eventually that became a blessing, right? Because I thought, how do I make a whole business and take people to a million dollars in a year? And that's my business now. But I don't think it would have happened if I didn't fall so hard, right? At the same time, that is during that time, my mom passed, who was like my best friend, my whole life. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. She's, she was angelic. She was like, I always say she was a combination of Mother Teresa, Jackie O with all her style and grace. And she looked like Meryl Streep. So Hmm. you put all that together and I was absolutely blessed in a world where people are like, oh, I'll I'll take your parents, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So And that goes a long way, right? A lot of people don't have that benefit. I was very, very, very blessed to have that upbringing. And so that was like, I thought that was my lowest of lows, right? The money is gone. The job is gone. My trust is gone. My faith is gone. Now I don't even know what I want to do. Like that was what I wanted to do. Now I don't even want to touch it. So So what was that, what was the turning point that took you from that place of, you know, you just felt so burned, burned by the industry to heck with it. 
I'm going to do what I want to do and figure it out. What was that? Yeah, I'd love to say it just happened like the next week, but I was um, like dumb a couple more times. Yeah. (laughs) And so because I was still an open wound, right? You know, they say uh, until you heal from something, you don't really have the ability to not keep attracting it. Yes. So I kept attracting the same thing. I I found it this time. I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm smart. I'll get a separate coach in this and a separate coach in this. I hired each coach, $20,000 a piece. I went backwards, $120,000. I'm a straight A student. I have a PhD in advanced theoretical physics. I did everything they said to the letter and I went backwards, $120,000. I could not understand. I am just bleeding money everywhere. And then yet to the world, I have to look like I got it together, right? Such an important point right there is you're going through struggling and trying to put on a a fresh face Mm -hmm. to the rest of the world, like a a false front. Yeah. Saying I'm doing great. And when really you're struggling. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so and what kind of job does that do on your psyche, on your emotions? Makes it impossible <clears throat> to attract anybody. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel worthy of, even though I know I'm great at what I do, I just didn't feel worthy. If I can't make right decisions, what is going on? The other thing that happened was as I was looking at why, why am I keep doing this? And I realized the golden key on all of it was, yes, I needed mentors. I've always had mentors my whole life. And that was vital. But this time I was looking at them incorrectly. I was looking at these people as saviors, yes, right? as mm-hmm. idols. And I thought, I know nothing about this. Just because I hadn't taken my business online in coaching, I'd done it in in finance and other things. I hadn't done it online in coaching. I hadn't done it with the entrepreneur. I'm thinking based on everything they tell me, it's so different. It's not, right? It's humans wanting a goal. But I believed them so much that I took all of my self-worth and put it on them. And it made me empty right? Because I took everything that I was, gave it to them, and I was left with nothing. And once they take that, I'm a shell, right? And then I feel like a fraud. So it was hard. It was the hard year, hard, hard, hard year. And then it was at December of that 2019, all this happened very quickly. And then I looked up and it was November. It was almost Thanksgiving. I'm like, no way. I'm not going to end the year in the red. I'm not going to have a losing year. I've never done it my whole life. I am not going to do it. And then I just stopped everything, just basically threw everything out and said, okay, I can, I've been a winner in everything. Right. And then you have to start accumulating your wins. Yeah. Okay, I did this. I did and this. trusting I did your this. wins because <clears throat> I think one of the challenges that a lot of people who are, who struggle with imposter syndrome is they have a whole series of wins, but they look back at them and think, oh, well, I was lucky or I snuck by, you know, somehow I got that. They, they didn't realize that I wasn't worthy enough for it. Right. So it's looking at your past accomplishments and really feeling them as an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being 
totally self-focused in a healthy yes. way because you know it's not what other people look at me as or how they think of me you know people would say oh well you modeled and oh you were in the c-suite and oh you did all of this oh it was easy for you right let me tell you the hardest job believe it or not ever was the modeling because you aren't put down for your skills or your talent. You're put down, you're denied for something you can't do anything about. You can't change it. Nope, we wanted someone five, nine and a half. Nope, we need size seven shoe. Nope, no freckles. No, we want freckles. No, only one dimple. I mean, it was like, oh, you're 108 pounds. Nope, we need someone 105. OMG, right? Yeah. And you think, wow, you have this great life. No, that was the hard, hardest thing. And you go on 10, 15 you know, go sees. It's like going on 10 job applications, you know, interviews a day. And they say, no, 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 no. And then you wake up. How many times can you hear no and, and feel good about yourself? And exactly the answer is one or a million and have it not care. And you just show up and be yourself and show up authentically, Mm -hmm. unapologetically. Exactly. In, in order to make it in all of those places, right, um, at all these different levels, is I had to stop treating it as me and start treating it as a business. Yes. And the reason I made it 10 years in modeling is because I treated myself as a business. I was a product, right? Yes, I was like a slab of meat on a hook going through, <laughs> but that was the business. And I learned to market that brand rather than make it about me. Again, I had great mentors guiding me from, you know, 14 years old. Thank goodness, you know, I didn't go down the wrong path with the drugs and the drinking and all of that. But when I understood it was a business, that's why it became something that made millions. Yeah. And it is true. I think it's true for many entrepreneurs. I think it's more so true for coaches because of the industry of coaching. We are quote unquote, selling ourselves. We're selling our philosophy. We're selling our coaching, Mm -hmm. but also because we believe so strongly in what we do. We are very enmeshed in it. We're very attached to it. And so it's very easy to conflate our business and what we do with who we are and our value as a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And such a blessing that you learned, learned that early on. You know, it's so funny. Um, I, I wrote a book about the whole process and that was part of the, the 12 years of studying predictable human behavior and human consciousness. And the second step in the whole process is the O in the letter SOAR. That's the name of the book, SOAR. And in that O is one of the most devastating things that happens to people. And that O, as far as the behavior that brings us down, and there's an antidote, of course, but the O is what we call outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And, and if I looked back, that's the thing that I kept doing. I kept just like a company would outsource their labor to overseas and maybe China or Taiwan or something like that. We outsource our 
behaviors, our feelings, we outsource for validation and approval yes. of others. Comparison, what was it Roosevelt said? Comparison is a thief of all joy. So by doing that, it, it destroys us, right? And it happens all the time. Usually when we talked about first thing in the morning, right? What is that first thought? Well, how many people, the first thought is reach over, grab your phone, scroll social media, and that determines mm-hmm. your day. And you can't compare to everyone's A side because it's not even real anyway. And yeah. so outsourcing is, is a huge issue. It's the problem with where we are in a society where we have all been compelled to stay home, go online, and then not be social, where you can actually pick up what people are really like and that intimacy and the energy of them. But all we get is a one-dimensional scene of, of that. And yes. Share that. And there's no way you can compare a three or four-dimensional human being to a one-dimensional facade on a computer screen. Um, well, social media is so much of people showing they're bright and shiny. And it's kind of like the lockdown has shown us is that we're all on Zoom now. So we're all pretty from the chest up and business on the top party on the bottom. And the same thing is true, I think, for much in um, the way of social media still. Mm -hmm. And so we're comparing our messy back end with everybody's shiny front end. Yeah, absolutely. And it led to this whole cookie cutter environment. Mm-hmm. Right. And people are like, oh, well, this is what's new. This is what's current. I'm going to do this. And especially in the space of now, everyone's told, oh, just be a coach. Everyone can just be a coach. Yeah. You know something. <laughs> you know how to tie your shoes. You should be the expert coach at shoe tying. Wow. And you'll make a million dollars at it in your first. Oh time. my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think it's it's been a disservice. Yes. Too many out there because it comes across as building a coaching business is easy mm-hmm. and you are perfectly qualified to be a coach. Now, I have certifications, I have training to be a coach, but I've also had very good coaches who haven't been classically trained as a coach. The difference is they've had experience and And not just doing the thing that I want to do, because coaching isn't teaching. Coaching is taking people into learning more about themselves and really creating a process that they can follow on their own. Mm -hmm. Because as a coach, we're, we're working to working ourselves out of a job. That's the goal of it. Kind of like consulting, you know, you're not always going to be there. You you want to set people up for success, Mm -hmm. but they're is quite a big industry out there to turn everyone who is sick of their job into a coach. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the whole knowledge wave and expert wave. And it's uh, not coaching. It's teaching. You're teaching people how to do things. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's, you know, everybody has that space. I, I love that. Right. This is one of the things that, that makes people, excellent is you've mm-hmm. got to find your snowflake. What is that one thing, right? Yes. It makes you so different from everybody else. 
and that you can be unique and you can focus on that. Why is that important? Because you're singularly focused on the one thing. And when you yes. focus on one thing, just like when we were kids and we take the, the piece of glass over the grass, right? And light and shine the sun into it, that kind of focused energy would make it burn. It would light it up, right? And so there's an, a good aspect of that right? And then focus on what you know. But there's a broader aspect on that is the whole one hit wonder thing. So you know one thing and you just became the expert, so to speak, because of a fad of the marketplace. But what happens afterwards? Watch yes. You can predict. And I, I always see, like, I always like to know what's the history behind somebody. And, and there should be a buyer's formula for people out there to know how do you find the right coach, but how do you become that person that is the yeah. right person for everybody? And you want to make sure that number one, are they an expert at what they do? Or have they just come from being a digital marketing agency and then they decided oh, I'm a blogger and now today I'm a Bitcoin expert or whatever, okay? Right. And just following the trends. Or do they have a history of excellence in what they do, but also excellence in everything? Have they been an expert at multiple fields? Do they have what's called in, in the forest a requisite variety, right? So if you look at the greatest animal in the jungle, it's the one that has the most variety of skills and can do the most things, you know, hence the lion. So is it that kind of a person that they can do everything? And, you know, also the aspects of, you know, in, in business, they say you want to find some, you have an option of getting something done for you, done with you or done by you. Yes. Okay? And it's the same thing with being an expert coach. What aspects of you can you be that mentor in? Like I've been there, I've done that before, right? And you can guide them. So when I was in the racing field, right? The driver would always have his helmet wired and the crew chief would be there, but we would also plot spotters around the track, right? So we could say, mm -hmm. hey, on turn three, there's an accident or, you know, turn five is wet. Oh, the chicane, you know, watch out. And, you know, there's, there's too much tire tread on the track. So go inward, right? And you have somebody who can spot ahead of where you're trying to go and have that mentor capability. And then the consultant is the one that says, do this, press on the gas harder, let up on the brake here, don't do this, right? Um, mm -hmm. And tells you exactly what to do. And then the coach is the one that says, great job, speed it up, man, you're doing awesome right? So how can you take all of those, the coach, the mentor, and the consultant, and bring it into what you do? Because that's what people are really looking for. They're not just looking for, uh, they want the whole skeleton. They just don't want the shin bone and the shoulder blade and the, you know, and the thoracic. You know. They're looking for a real solution. Exactly. And, and so having that whole thing, we call it ease and plastic. It's my favorite word. I, have you, are you familiar with that word? It's an old, old English word. Ease and plastic means one who has <clears throat> the ability to unite disparate parts into one unified whole. And that is what we like to look at as a business, right? Can we offer all these different parts of a business in one place? Can you offer in yourself all of the different things that somebody would need for that problem that they're trying to solve in one place? Or do they have to get this from you and this from somebody else and this from somebody else? And then you need four or five different coaches, right? So how can 
you be Ezone Plastic in your business? And that might even be, and you can correct me if you're taking it in a different direction, but if you are the mindset expert and then you have someone who is the copywriting expert and then you have someone who, you have a team mm-hmm. who right. supports, yeah. but all in one place. Mm-hmm. And have it unified, right? Because if you, then sometimes you can't, right? And you can't get them, but do they at least have the same philosophy and are they of the same you know, direction that they're trying to go. Some people say, oh no, you have to do ads right away, for example. And then some people will say, no, don't do ads until you're making 10 to $15,000 a month. Well, which one is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it still has to be in that unified field. We call it a biosphere, right? A, A sphere of life. All of these things have to be in to make your business come alive. And so what's in your biosphere that will make you different So you can stand out from everybody else, not be cookie cutter. And once you can distinguish yourself as that, then you can disrupt the market and then you can dominate it. And that's it. That's the three steps, right? So that's how you can take what you do. But the way you do all that and not worry about imposter syndrome is so easy. You just be better than you say you are. Imposter syndrome is saying you're better than you are. (laughs) Okay. And to kill imposter syndrome is just be better than you say, which means inherently you're going to be a lot more humble than all the hubris out there. Yeah. And oftentimes you are better than you say, likely. If you have a history of success, you are probably better than you think you are. Right. Likely. And as entrepreneurs, and I think you really illustrated that in your story of how you, you've evolved as an entrepreneur is that when you get into something that you've not done before, you're learning about it. You're starting a business on it. You know, you don't know everything about it. You are an an imposter. You are embodying your inner imposter. And so I also think with being an entrepreneur, when you're creating something that hasn't been created before, or at least not be created by you, you have to be forward thinking. When you also talk about disrupting the market, you have to do something that hasn't been done before, but you have the vision of it. And so if you feel like you're a little bit of an imposter, good, because you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and entrepreneurship is just hard. It is anyone who tells differently is probably the imposter and it's all in the context. Okay. So if we are an entrepreneur, we are always going to be entering into new territory and you can't know the territory until you're in there. Right. Right. Uh, Someone once told me in um, my professional career, as I was leaving, I was like, gosh, how do you, you know, ever, do you ever feel like good enough for that job? She goes, no, you don't know that job until you leave it. Mm. And it was so true. Every time I left or was fired 18 times, I'd get it. I was like, oh, I know what that should have been. I know how that looked. And every other time I was better. And every single change 
you know, 18 firings and, you know, five multi-million dollar companies, every single one, I was better and better and better because I took with me and I learned from each one of those. But if you just do it and you don't learn or you're hiding it or you're playing small or you're not willing to fall down and get up and get up and get up, then you won't make it. You'll be, you know, operating from what we call reversion and living in the past. Well, that didn't work before, or it's always been that way, or it will always be that way going forward. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Some of the characteristics that I see again and again in highly successful entrepreneurs, such as yourself is you define failure differently. You respond to failure differently you expect failures to happen and it seems as if you have you have a very different physiological experience of failure mm-hmm. how true do you find that to be for yourself oh. and in your experience you nailed it you absolutely nailed it to me i've never failed right the only time mm-hmm. i would fail is if i'm giving up i'm like yes but it's feedback And I used to date a a pilot. And so he failed his, his check ride, you know, where you have to go and, and, you know, prove that you can actually fly your 737. He failed it. And so he had to stay behind. And so every night just to get good, he'd go in at like from 11 till about three in the morning and go into United and go on, on the simulator. And so I'm like, let me come with you. And he's like, okay, I'll sneak you in, right? Totally illegal. And so I'm in there and I'm, and what I had to do while he was trying to fly, I'd have to throw up all these obstacles. Okay, here's wind, here's wind shear, here's fog, here's rain. Hey, your, your engine went out, a bird went in. I mean, I'd have to, you know, flip all these switches and make all these things happen to try and get him to fail. And he just had to respond and, and make sure he could get through them all. So he passed. But then I said, okay, he goes, you do it now. You fly. I'm like, really? And so I'm in this cockpit of a 737 simulator. And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm so nervous. He goes, no, actually the takeoff is more dangerous than the landing. And that's true in entrepreneurship, isn't it? As we're trying to take off, that's where all the things happen, right? And so I'm doing, I think I'm going along. And then he starts hitting all these buttons and all these things pop out at me. I'm like, oh, wait, oh, what did he say I have to do on this and on this? And then there was this programming, right? As all these things, my my jet is about to crash. And then the overhead announcement comes up, pull up, pull up, pull up, right? Pull up, pull up, pull up. And it's so true in running a business, mm-hmm. right? All these things are coming at you planned and unplanned. And if I crash, right, it's because I didn't follow the command to pull up. How do I look at this from a higher perspective? And don't go down with it. Pull up. Okay, let me get a different vantage point. What else can I do? What else can I do? Right? As long as I'm still in the air, I'm good. And listening to the messages that your body is telling you to pull Ah. the heck up. Yes. To slow down, maybe stop for a second figure out what's going on with your bearings, right? Slow down to speed up. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just think there's so much in life that we can learn from 
as entrepreneurs and coaches. And when we think it's failure, it's not, it's just feedback, right? Yeah. And every time he'd flip a switch, it was just feedback. It didn't mean, oh, you, you're done. No, I wasn't done. I just got feedback. A warning sign came on. Oh, okay. Now it's time to course correct. And so it's never really failure. It's how do you look at it? How do you respond to it? Are you a student? Is this like a scavenger hunt? Okay, well, where can I find the answer? I mean, that's how you have to look at it. And if you don't have that kind of mindset, if you have more of a doom and gloom kind of mindset, it's changeable, right? It's changeable. It's completely changeable. And you just have to decide. Exactly. You just have to decide. Exactly. Connie. Thank you so much for such a long, beautiful conversation. What do you have exciting coming up in the next 12, 24 months? Oh, I, I am so excited all the time. So a couple things. And so because I, I believe so much in people being their unique self, every, oh, about every two months, I teach a free workshop called The Celebrity Factor. Where you actually take yourself and up your celebrity factor, not the um, influencer side of mm-hmm. things. That is not at all um, what we're talking about. But we're talking about being iconic. Thinking of those, you know, the Audrey Hepburns and the the classic black and white, you know, looks. You know, even the Jackie Kennedy esque type of things that you see, and they have such longevity. And yes. And there are classics and you can. The difference between style and fads. Yes. Yes. And And fashion. Right. So that aspect of it where, you know, you can say something and everybody almost gets that same picture and to boost that because that's how your business stays. Right. Otherwise you are a fad and you're just Mm -hmm. hopping from platform to platform. And so it's important to be independent of the market and the platforms, but to be your own icon. So I do that five, six times a year. And then I do have a new book coming out. I've written two so far, Soar and the Power of a Wish. And then the new book is called Beyond Mindset. And it's really about a lot of these principles that we talked about. How do you go beyond, not the fixed and the growth mindset and your positive or your negative, it's about really elevating your whole consciousness and into mm-hmm. a whole different field where the miraculous happens all the time. And when you have that level and you elevate your mind, your business will skyrocket as well. It's um, brilliant. And listeners, those links will be in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> Connie, it has been an absolute pleasure and honor talking with you today. Thank you so much for the invitation and I wish you well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Connie. My pleasure. Hey folks, over the next few weeks, I have a combination of some more great interviews and solo episodes. Next week is a special solo episode with me on emotional intelligence, specifically on how to increase your EQ, starting with a super simple 30-second practice. Highly successful entrepreneurial leaders tend to also have a higher-than-average EQ. So it's easy as busy visionary entrepreneurial leaders with many demands on your attention to get caught up in the busyness of business and to take your emotional intelligence for granted. The problem happens 
when you are dealing with subtle stressors like chronic tolerations and small frustrations, or getting irritated at minor mistakes, whether made by you, someone on your team, a client, or a vendor, or either dreading conversations or experiencing miscommunications, or getting frustrated with team members for not delivering to your expectation, or even noticing yourself getting irritated at things you aren't usually irritated by, then getting irritated at yourself for getting irritated in the first place, or even noticing tiny mistakes or issues that slow your business's momentum and give you that sinking exhaustion that has you girding your loins ready to wade into fixing the things that should have been done right the first time. It's easy and common to have the thought of, well, that's the price of doing business. It doesn't have to feel that way though. Yes, mistakes and errors will happen and business will feel like work and does require us to put in the effort and we can't control anything outside of our own selves. But you don't have to feel like you're tolerating less than ideal and suffering through the process. There is a way to shift your own mental, emotional, and physical experience that can improve your results in your business, get you better results from your team, and give you a more fulfilling life as an entrepreneurial leader. Next week, I'll be sharing a simple 30-second method to increase your EQ, to shift your mind, body, and emotions so that you can start catching your mental, emotional, physical stress reaction either before it starts or before you get too deep into it. Stay tuned, folks. You don't want to miss this. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me is to please rate, review, and follow this podcast. When you do, you help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs just like you. By the way, if you are a driven entrepreneur at the top of your game, yet find your consistent successes aren't feeling like you thought they would, I also have a special invitation to share with you especially if you are ready to go deep and stop the self-doubt, self-sabotage, overwork, overwhelm, exhaustion cycle that is holding you back from experiencing success that truly feels like success. I invite you to book a call with me. We'll have an intimate conversation about you and your business, and we'll talk about what's holding you back from regulating your nervous system priming yourself for flow, and elevating your emotional intelligence so that your journey of success feels fulfilling and deeply satisfying. If you still need more help at the end of our call, and it makes sense to both of us, we'll talk about what it would look like to work together. If this sounds good to you, click the Book Trina link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for next week. And remember, be awesome.